I am so grateful to be here today and appreciate the opportunity to come and to open up the Word of God and just to, to share. And, uh, you know, a lot of people say, what do you do? And honestly, if you want to know, I, I'm just a preacher of the gospel, all right? You, you, can, you can package it up any other way you want to, but, but just uh, to be quite frank with you, I'm just, I'm just a preacher. And I know that God's called me to do that, and I love to preach His Word. And I'm so excited about the graduates today, so congratulations. That is absolutely wonderful. And for you too, all right? So here's the deal. Just time out for a second. Um, I, I went to North Greenville. I met my bride at North Greenville. The theme of North Greenville is a ring by spring. And so uh, <laughs> you already heard that, right? You already heard that, all right? And so all my kids have gone to North Greenville uh, except for once who's still a high schooler. And uh, so my wife, her name is Pat. Pat works in the business office. She's the receptionist for the school. So when you go in the dining building, the glass office, that good-looking blonde, five foot nine and simply divine, that... <laughs> That is my wife, okay? And I'm, I'm, now, this, this, I'm not, never was a Boy Scout at this, but this is Ken's honor, all right? If you need anything, we'll help you, okay? We're 15 minutes from the school. She works there in the office. She wants to be everybody's mama, and she always has chocolate, all right? So, so I know that's, a, that's, that's important. All right, so enough of that, all right? But uh, congratulations to everybody. South Carolina, go Gamecocks. I'm sick of all this orange. All right, anyway, now, <laughs> I probably shouldn't have said that, but, uh, <laughs> oh, hey, if you've got a copy of God's Word, look with me in John chapter 15. John chapter 15, I, I, want, I, I will never by any stretch of the imagination cover everything in these first few verses. As a matter of fact, uh, I guess three weeks ago, I was at a church in North Carolina, and we had a Friday evening, Saturday evening, Sunday morning, Sunday night gathering. And I preached four messages out of the first four verses of this text, okay? So don't panic. I mean, we're not going to be here for four hours, all right? Uh, I've condensed it to three. And so, <laughs> and, uh, so no, I'm going to swing for the fence, okay? I'm going to swing for the fence. I'm going to be big picture. And, uh, but I believe there's a word in here for all of us today. You, you uh, know that Jesus loved his disciples. And Jesus has been pouring into the hearts of these men for quite some time. And, and in some ways, listen, he, he not only has called them to follow him. So we know that the disciple is one who follows Jesus. We know the disciple is one who is continually being changed by Jesus. I was born again on June 11th, 1978, 16 years old, all right? And so two years later in study hall, I know God called me to preach. But I promise you this, I know that I'm saved, but God is continuing to save me. He's continuing to change me. He's still beating the devil out of me. How about you? I mean, he's still working. I mean, it's not stopping. And I'm grateful for, for that, all right? That, listen, when, when God continues to work, that is proof positive that you do belong to him. So a disciple is one who follows, a disciple is one who is continually changed, and a disciple will always be one who embraces the mission of Jesus as their own. And so you as a church, being gospel-centric, is embracing the mission of Jesus. That's why he came, right? He came, he lived a perfect life. He took all of our sin upon himself. There at Calvary, he bled and died. He became the wrath absorber for a whole world that we could know him. 
be forgiven of sin. And that he would begin to do this eternal work of glory in our hearts and lives. And so he's been pouring into these disciples. Matter of fact, John 13, there they are in the upper room. And if he's ever communicated truth, he communicated truth there. Because he even openly demonstrated for them, I am very God, but I'm taking off the robe of divinity. I'm going to robe my, uh, you know, just kind of robe myself in humanity. He there washes the disciples' feet. You remember that story? And so he is showing them that just as he got up from heaven and came down to earth, he humbled himself to do and fulfill the, the call and the work of God. And so by the time you get to chapter 17, Gethsemane kind of nestled right in the middle is chapter 15. So between the upper room experience and Gethsemane where he's going to be arrested and tried, this is kind of, this is, this is something that's happening. So if you know anything, you know it in, in, um, in John 13, after the supper, he says, okay, let's get up and go, right? He says, let's get up and we go. So somewhere between going and praying, this happens. And you have to also remember this, that this is a, an agricultural society. So there in Jerusalem, I mean, the, the, the condition is just right to, to grow grapes, to have vineyards. And, and, and did they walk past a vineyard? Perhaps. Some scholars believe they walked past a synagogue and, and there was a, a, a vine across the door. Now, that's not in the Word. That is just what some scholar has come up with somewhere. So I don't, I don't know that to be true. But what I do know to be true is that in that area, everybody had grapes. Vineyards were everywhere. And so Jesus is using this imagery to, to pour into them some eternal truth as they're walking and talking together. It, I mean, that is discipleship, isn't it, when you think about it? I mean, as you're doing life together, as you're eating and walking, breathing, living, just doing life, Jesus is constantly exposing the truth of himself, and he does that in community with others, and that's exactly what Jesus is doing. And so by the time you, you get to chapter 15, listen to these words. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. That it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. Who, whoever abides in me and I in him. He it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Four things I want you to see in this text. And they're very simple, okay? They're very simple. Number one, we're going to discover who the vine is. Number two, we're going to discover who the vine dresser is. Number three, we're going to discover who are the branches. Number four, what is the fruit? That's pretty simple, right? This is yes, and this is no, all right? So yes, it's pretty simple. So number one, who is the vine? Well, Jesus says, I am the vine. Think of the word I, I, I. 
Do you understand that Jesus is the center of Christianity? Why is that important? That's, here, here's why it's very important. My, my son, Seth, who graduated North Greenville, had a friend named Nate. Nate graduated North Greenville, went on to one of our uh, Southern Baptist seminaries. The day he graduated with a master's in theology, all of those students were given a one-question survey. And on that survey, here, here was the question. If this institution could answer any question that you have, what would that one question be? Do you know what the number one response was? The number one response from, 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 from young men and women who just received their master's in theology. Think about it. They went to evangelism classes. They went to church history classes. They went to, to uh, uh, all kind of hermeneutics classes. They've gone to biblical theology. They've gone to systematic theology. They've gone through historical theology. I'm telling you, these are bright, sharp. I mean, they've been, they've been well-educated in the things of God at the seminary. And the number one response was this. How can I live the Christian life? You know what that tells me? That tells me it doesn't matter how smart you are, we struggle there. Maybe you didn't go to seminary. Can I tell you this? You don't, everybody doesn't have to go to seminary. Some of you have been walking with Jesus for 50 years. And if you would be honest, you might would say this. I still sometimes struggle with that question. God, how do I really live the Christian life? Well, first and foremost, Jesus says, I am the Christian life. You understand that, don't you? He's the center. He's the core. If you do not have Jesus, you don't have a Christian life. I got married. My bride and I, and really, I mean, she really, she's a doll. Y'all got to go meet her, okay? She, she's a doll. She is something else. And, and we got married, and we'll, we'll celebrate our 36th wedding anniversary in just a little while, August the 27th. And uh, last night at the banquet, brother and my sister over here, this is the weirdest thing, they got married same day, August 27th, 1983, same time, 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I wish he'd paid for both of them, but he didn't, all right? And so we've been married for, for 30, um, 36 years. I, listen, think about that. On August the 27th, 1983, I entered into the institution of marriage. But I didn't get an institution. I got a woman. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? I got a woman. Flesh and blood. Boom, shakalaka. The love of my life. I want you to understand something. When we're talking about Christianity, we're talking about discipleship, we are not talking about a plan or a program. We're not talking about some system. We're talking about Jesus who was God in the flesh. When you got saved, you got a person and his name was Jesus. I, I am, I am. I am is not the first time he's ever said I am. Matter of fact, you go all the way back to Exodus chapter 3. So here's Abram and God having a conversation. and says, He says, well, who am I going to tell him that sent me? He says, you tell him I am that I am. He didn't say, I am that I was, I am that I will be. I am that I am. What was that? A declaration that I am God. I am self-existent God. I am eternal God. Listen, friend, God is not dependent on man. Man is totally dependent on God. So when he says, I am, that's the seventh time in John that, that, that we know that he said, hey, I'm declaring that I am God. 
I am the light of the world. I am the the door. I am the good shepherd. I I am the the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. And then he says here in this text, I am the vine. I am the true vine. That is so important. Why? He's declaring that he is God. And see, sometimes me and you, we get that all mixed up, don't we? Anybody here like being in control? That's great. Thank you for being honest. The rest of you, a bunch of liars. We like being in control sometimes. Do y'all mind if I walk? I just can't help it. This is just part of who I am, all right? We like being in control. We want to be in control. We want everybody on our rhythm. We want everybody doing what we think they ought to do. We want them cooking like we cook. We want them fixing things like we fix it. We want everything to go the way we want it to go. I hate to burst your bubble, but you are not God. There's only one God, and Jesus said, I am God, right? You are in control. I'm not in control. Matter of fact, I want to help you out the best way I can help you out today. So here we go. Ready? Everybody, everybody has to do this. Or he will charge you a double tithe. (laughs) Raise your right hand. Repeat after me. I, being of sound mind, have never, nor will I ever, be the master of the universe. Therefore, today, I resign as the master of the universe. Now, don't you feel better? I'm not in control. You're not in control. Jesus is in control. You know what Timothy said? Timothy said this. He is the blessed controller of all things. I am crucified with Christ. Paul said there's no other foundation except which has been laid. And who is that? Jesus. He's the center. He's the core. Why? He can say that because he is God. I am the true vine. True vine means genuine, authentic, real. I don't know what you're hoping in today. I don't know what you're clinging to today. But there is only one true vine. Your job is not your true vine. Your house is not your true vine. This church is not your true vine. Our traditions are not the true vine. Certain styles of music, and you may, listen, you may prefer things that I, hey, it is perfectly fine that you have a preference. Some like chocolate, some like vanilla. But it doesn't mean that you're, you are outside the will of God if you like chocolate or vanilla. Right? I mean, just eat the ice cream. So God is saying, hey, I, I am God. I am the true vine. Listen, so here's what that means. That means that every other thing that you could put hope and joy and confidence in, if it's not Jesus, it is a counterfeit. That's what that means. It's a counterfeit vine. It's not real. I can't tell you how many, how many times I've, I've, I've coupled a marriage or, or counseled with a marriage and, and they're, they're like, man, if, if he would only love me, my life would be perfect if my husband would only love me. And that's when I know I have to break the bad news right there. And I have to say something like this. I hate, I hate to upset you. But if you think that's what's going to make you happy and give you joy and your life's going to be content, you are going to be miserable. I hate to tell you this, but when you married him, all you got was a couch that burps. That's all you got right there, right? I, I hate to bust your bubble, but that's, that's what you got. Pat cannot be my true vine. My kids cannot be my true vine. 
say, Kim, what do you mean? I'm, I'm telling you this. There's only one source of contentment, one source of joy, one source of peace. That is eternal. And that is found in Jesus. I am the true vine. The vine, the vine. Now, here, here's where it gets, it's, it's, it gets really good. And I'll pick up the pace, too, in just a minute. We talk about the vine. I, I mean, you, remember that, and that, that culture, the, the conditions, everything was just ripe to have orchards and, and, and vineyards. And so very agricultural. And so when a few years ago we moved to Traveler's Rest and we bought an a, a old farmhouse, okay? And that farmhouse was built in 1940. And uh, when we looked at it, it hadn't been lived in probably 20 years, okay? And it, I mean, it, it was rough. It was really, really bad. But I'm telling you, when we walked on that property and I walked in that house, it was falling apart. I'm telling you, I didn't look at what I saw. I started looking for what it could be. You with me? And I'm thinking, man, this is it, Pat. This is the house. There's two things we said we wanted. Number one, we wanted a traveler's rest address. And two, we wanted to see Paris Mountain. Now, if you live in Travers Rest, that's important to you. For whatever, I mean, it just is. You know, if you can't see Paris Mountain, you're too far from home. That's, that's their motto, all right? And you know what? I'm walking through there, and I'm thinking, well, it does have a Travers Rest address. And I came walking back through, stepping over stuff, moving around stuff. And, and I looked out through the porch, and guess what I saw? Paris Mountain. So we got an old, and so between, between Chip and Joanna Gaines and Pinterest, I am broke. I hate that show. <laughs> but that's what we got. And I'm telling you, I've never seen Pat has come alive. She decorates every season. She's never done it before. And our, in our entire marriage, she's never done things like that. But I'm telling you, she come alive in this house. And she just decorates and she's just all frou-frou. And, 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 and if mama's happy, bless God, everybody's happy. Amen. But on that property, there's, there's an apple tree. There's three pecan trees. There's two black walnut trees. I didn't know anything about black walnuts. I know a lot about black walnuts now. I learned the hard way about black walnuts. <laughs> I was tattooed like for two weeks, okay? And so I learned real quick about, about, about y'all, some of y'all know what I'm talking about, all right? So I, I learned about that. But also on that property are two grapevines. Now, the first couple of years I had those grapevines, I didn't really do anything with them. But then last year, I decided, you know, I'm going to start learning about these grapevines. And so, man, I started digging, 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 tried to learn, learn, and educate myself. And it was amazing. Did you, do you know that everything that the branch needs to bear the fruit is already in the vine? Now, boy, don't miss that. Let me, let me, let me, can, can I just, oh, go ahead and unpackage something real quick to you. You and I are the branches. The branches were the disciples. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are a branch. The branch is where? In the vine. It's connected to the vine. In the vine. That means this Jesus was literally saying, if you have life in me, I will be the very one to supply everything that you need. My wife loves to shop. I don't, y'all, y'all ever heard of like a, a Wilson's five and dime? Y'all know what I'm, Okay, that's a, probably an upstate Greenville kind of thing. Anyway, it's, a, it's an old store that I went in there a few years ago, Pat, just, just to pacify her, just because I love her, all right? And she wanted me to go for whatever reason. So I go in the store, and it's just, to me, to me, it was just junk. I mean, I got to walk in row after row thinking, 
who uses this? Why would you buy this? This just seems so random. I mean, there's no rule. There's no method. There's no, and it was row after row after row. And finally, Kenny, when I left, I was like, good night. And here's what I said. I said, if they ain't got it, you don't need it. Listen to me. If it isn't supplied in and through Jesus, you don't need it. He said, I'm the vine. I am your life. I supply your life. I supply everything. Listen closely. Listen. Branches do not produce anything. Branches only bear fruit. It's all about him. It's all about him. So Jesus is the vine. And then he says this, the father is the vine dresser. He's the husbandman. He's the one who owns the vineyard. And he has a watchful eye. Listen, he is not distant out there in the galaxy somewhere, just ho-hum, waiting for everything to do whatever it's going to do. I'm telling you, we have a heavenly father who is supremely active in the affairs of his children. And every single day he is walking through his vineyard, he is looking at the condition of the branch and what does the Bible say that he does? It says he does two things. He lifts up, he prunes. Can, can, can you give me a couple minutes on that one? Because I want you to, I want you to get this. Well, I really want you to get this. this. This could be life changing. When I was growing up and her preachers preach on this text, they would always mean like the, the idea of, of, of taking or moving. It was almost the, the sense of judgment. And if you get to verse 6, 7, 8, you, you realize there is a measure of judgment there. That we are going to give an account and, and they're going to be burned. And you, 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 you connect that with what Jesus is teaching in Corinthians and how that, that everything's going to be burned. Everything's going to be revealed by fire. Is it going to come out uh, through gold, silver, and precious stone or wood, hay, and stubble? It's going to, I mean, every, everybody, listen, everybody here, our works are going to be made manifest one day, Right? And so in that sense, that is correct. But I want you to know something. The, the Greek language is so interesting. I'm not a Greek scholar by any stretch. But I want you to know something. I love studying. And I found out something. Do you know that the word to, to lift or to take away has the idea not only of judgment, but it has a, it has a secondary meaning. And it could be translated to lift up. I want you to think about that. To lift up. In John chapter 11, Jesus is going to a friend. His, he, he died. Anybody know his name? Bingo. Remember that he said, hey, roll the stone away. And the Bible says that Jesus lifted up his eyes. Guess what? Same Greek verb as you have in that verse. Does that mean Jesus' eyes were lifted up, poked out, and thrown in the fire? No. It means he did what? It means he lifted up his eyes. Chapter 12. What did Jesus say? Jesus said this. If I be what? Lifted up, I would do what? Draw all men unto myself, right? Same Greek verb. Exact same verb. So here's what I believe God is saying in the context of that passage. That Father God walks through the vineyard and sometimes he sees a branch that's low. And what does he do to a low branch? He lifts it up. You ever been low? 
Man, when y'all started singing that second song today, I liked how to spell. I've been low. You ever been low? You ever felt like you were on the ground? Aren't you glad you got a heavenly father that he knows where you are? He knows the condition of your heart. He is not out there somewhere. He knows you. He knows where you are. He knows your address. He knows everything that you are going through. And what will he do to a, to a branch who is low? He loves us so much. He will come and lift you up. David said, God, you are my shield. You are my glory. You are the lifter of my head. How many can say, I know that God has lifted my head up before. Aren't you glad for that? I mean, is is judgment right in this context? Yes. But I think there's something more. Because he said, every branch in me. Don't miss that. Don't miss that. Because if you in him, you know him. Right? Well, Ken, I go to church. I didn't ask you if you go to church. You could be in church and still die and go to hell. The goal is not to be in church. The goal is to be in Christ. Vance Havner once said, you can stand in the garage and go beep, beep, but it don't make you a car. So he's saying this, I am the true vine. My father is the husband. He's the owner. He's the, he, he, he watches out for everything. He knows the condition. And when something needs to change, he lifts it up. He, he, he alters it. Thank God that he comes when we get low and he lifts us up. But he also says this, he also prunes, prunes to cut. To remove something. Let me, let, me, let me suggest three ways that God prunes. Number one, he prunes us through his word. The writer of Hebrews says that the word of God is sharper than a two-edged sword. Have you ever had a quiet time and you'd been reading and it was the very thing you needed and God used a passage of scripture and it just flooded your soul with joy. You said, boy, God, thank you. You just lifted my head today. Man, my cup is running over. You feel like you could charge hell with a squirt gun swinging through on a corn stalk. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, you just, you are pumped up. You are fired up. It's like, woo, you know? And then two weeks later, you read the same text and it cuts you up like a knife. You with me? The word that comforts is also the same word that can cut. And sometimes God loves us so much, he will cut us in the word. Why? Because there's something in you that does not resemble him, and he does not want it there. So he will use his word to cut. Number two, discipline. God will use discipline. I've got eight kids. Six boys, two girls. Seth, Stephen, Sarah, Silas, Samuel, Simon, Sean, and Susanna. All right? Don't ask me to do it again. I'll just stutter. We were in CVS a long, long time ago when they were, we were all little, all little stepping stones, okay? And, and so this guy in CVS, I mean, we always got the same question. I don't know if, if any large families are here or not. You, you, get the, you get the same question all the time. Are all these yours? Like, like, like it's something bad. Like, you know, like, are all these yours? Yeah. Any twins? Nope. She popped them out. One of, can I say popped out? <laughs> I shouldn't. <laughs> Forgot where I was. <laughs> In my context, I'm okay with that, but I don't know about, you know. So, yep, she delivered them, you know, one at a time, one at a time. And he was just, he was just blown away. He said, what are their names again? And so she went through and he just, he, I'm not kidding. He walked away in disgust. A few minutes later, he walked up and he said, excuse me, um, 
um, I got another name. If you ever have another baby, I've got another, another S name for you. And she said, what? He said, stop. <laughs> oh, moron. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> so, 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 I mean, so, so with eight kids, there's discipline. I said, you mean you really discipline your kids? Yeah. I don't believe in murder. So I discipline them. There are some days I can understand why some animals eat their young. You know what I'm saying? So I discipline. Why? The Bible says this. A father who loves his kid will discipline his kid. Why is that? Because the Bible also says God, our father, our Abba father, he loves us. He chastens. He disciplines. Why? Because of his love. Some of you may be, you, see, some of you may be getting a spiritual spanking right now and you are just, you are just ticked off with God. And it's almost like you've got this attitude. God, why are you doing this? I'll tell you why he's doing it, because he loves you. He loves you. That's why I spank my boys, especially the boys. I didn't spank the girls a lot. If Sarah here, she'd tell you about one. I've scarred her for life. Uh, <laughs> not, not in a bad way, but, but just... Well, I'll tell you the story real quick. See, she, we, were at a, we were going to have a bonfire one night, and I said, here's what you, what you need to do, and she didn't do it. And I said, sweetheart, I hate to do this, but I want to discipline you because you didn't do what, what you were told of you. So I'm going to let you be in on it. I said, here's what you can do. You can either come in, get a spanking, go to the bonfire, or you can... Uh, what, what did I just say? No, you can come inside and not go to the bonfire, or I'm going to give you a spanking, and you can go to the bonfire. So she said, okay, I'll take the spanking. So I just, you know, ta, 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 I wasn't going to beat it. I'm not, when I say spanking this, I'm not like, God made the perfect spot right back there. Right there, all right? And so I was like, ta, ta, and she went, <laughs> it didn't hurt. <laughs> oh, and that's when you got to go, okay, God, 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 I need you, I need you, I need you. Every hour I need you because I want to kill. I want to put a chokehold. I want to tap her out right now. <laughs> so I spanked her, and I meant it. And then I said, and you don't get to go to the bonfire. So that's what scarred her, all right? Now she's, she's almost 21. She's getting married July the 21st. And uh, it's so exciting. So she lived. Young parents, listen to me. Can I just real quick, I know, time out. Young parents, listen, uh, it's a good thing to discipline your children. I cannot tell you how many times I've spanked my kids, and, and as soon as it was over, they turned around and grabbed me. You know why? Because they need boundaries. They may not verbalize it that way, but they need it and they want it. Okay? What does God do? God does the same thing for us. So he disciplines through his word. He, dis- he, or he prunes us through his word. He prunes us through discipline. Number three, he prunes us through providence. See, sometimes when I'm disobedient, God corrects me. And that's a good thing, right? Yes. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt like God did something in you even when you were obedient? And you thought the outcome was going to be different than it was? Elijah, great example. Here's Elijah. Elijah said, okay, God, I've been walking with you. And God says, okay, I want you to go to Ahab and you tell Ahab it's not going to rain until I say it's going to rain. I'm going to let you be a spiritual meteorologist for a day. So he goes to Ahab and says, it's not going to rain. God says it's going to rain. And then God says, okay, now get out of there. You think, man, he, he preached, he delivered a hard message 
with courage and conviction. And boy, don't you know that God was blessed? Oh, God was blessed. God was honored that his servant did exactly what he told him to do. And, and he, he rewarded him. How did he reward him, Ken? Did he send him to a five-star resort? No, he sent him to the wilderness. Not because he had been disobedient. He sent him to the wilderness because he was obedient. Because it wasn't over. And God kept dealing with him. So he used the wilderness. He used a widow lady. He raised her son a little bit later. What was all that? All that was God's way of pruning, cutting away the fleshly things out of Elijah's life so he could have a prepared servant who would stand at Mount Carmel and watch something happen that could only be explained by God. That's why some of you have been walking with Jesus and you still feel like God's whooping you. Can I tell you again? He might be. Why? He's preparing you for something. I don't know what it is. I'm walking in it right now, to be honest with you. I'm an unemployed pastor. <laughs> I, I am. All these years of ministry. And, and you know what? Back on March the 3rd, God gave me a word and I stepped down, walked away from my pulpit. I'm telling you right now, it's the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. At a church baptizing, we averaged 100 people. We baptized 100 people a year in three years. Had a second campus, went from zero small groups to 27 small groups. We were watching God do some amazing things. And the more we watched God work, the more I got hated. And it got rough. And I said, God, I will stay here forever. Because there is a part of me that, listen, I'm from, I told y'all last night I'm from Greer. But I wasn't completely honest. Where I grew up is actually called Sunnyside. Y'all know where Sunnyside's at? That's where I grew up. My mom and dad still live there. It's, it's probably 90% black, 10% white. I learned to cuss in Sunnyside. I learned to cut. I'll cut you. I learned to do it in Sunnyside. I can, oh, I love guns. <laughs> I mean, okay. So I grew up rough. And I'm going to tell you, every now and then, some of that rough, some of that rough upbringing, I, the redneck comes out of me. And I could feel the redneck coming up in me. And I was like, you know what, God? I will put my foot down. I, they will not run. I, y'all know what I'm talking about, right? And God took me. He didn't take me to the wilderness, but he took me to Lake Kiwi. And at Lake Kiwi in October of last year, God told me exactly what was going to happen. A few weeks later, God confirmed it. But he did not give me peace until March. I don't know what God's doing in my life. Right now, I'm preaching. Wherever God opens up a door, I'm just going to preach. And I promise you this, I am having a spell. I don't know what tomorrow's going to hold. I don't know about next month. But here's what I do know. God has met every single need. Listen to me. I hope you understand what I'm trying to say. Being a pastor of a church was not my true vine. Walking with Jesus, that's my true vine. He's supplying my needs in ways right now I, I, can't, I cannot explain to you other than it is God. So Jesus is the true vine. The Father is the husbandman. I, I, will, I will crank it down because it's, it's about time to go. So, so we are the branches. We've already clarified that. So that's what Jesus is in the Word, right? You are the branches. Now what do branches do? I'll end with this. What do branches do? Well, the goal of the branch is to do what? Bear fruit. Bear fruit. Now, I want you to watch something. Watch this. I want you to go back and read this because it's just, it's just, it's just crazy. 
look at verse 1, or verse 2 rather. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, so no fruit, no fruit. He takes away every branch that does bear fruit, okay? There's fruit. You with me? So no fruit, fruit. A little bit later, he says, more fruit. And by the time you get to verse 16, he says, fruit that remains. What is that a picture of? Listen, listen closely. Don't miss this. That is a picture of spiritual growth. No fruit, fruit, much fruit, fruit that remains. That is what God is doing in you. That is God's goal in you. That's why God is doing everything that he's doing in you personally and in you as a body. Why? He's taking you from no fruit to fruit to much fruit to fruit that remains. That way when you stand before him one day, guess what? As it goes through the fire, it will be. Listen, all of it's going to be, it's going to come through the crucible. And you know what? Whatever is done for Jesus' sake, guess what? It lasts. So what is the, what, then, then whatever that is, I want to know. Real quickly, here's the key. Look at verse 8. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Let me just put the cookies on the bottom shelf. A branch that bears fruit glorifies God. A branch that does not bear fruit does not glorify God. A church that bears no fruit does not glorify God. A denomination that does not bear fruit does not glorify God. Listen, I want you to understand this. This should help you out. It is not how much spiritual activity that you're a part of. I mean, we got it. We, we are so messed up. I, hey, I've been Baptist all my life, so I can say this. Baptists have got it messed up. Somehow, someway, we've bitten into this lie. The more activity that you do, the more spiritual that you are. And that is so far from the truth. I could take you to church after church after church, disciple after disciple after disciple that was just like me this morning at 7 o'clock on the treadmill. I was getting it. I was getting it, getting it, getting it, getting it, getting it. But guess what? I was going nowhere. And there's a lot of folks just like that. Oh, we come to church all dressed up, got our King James, whatever translation. Some of you are going, yeah, he didn't preach out of King James today, did he? <laughs> no, I didn't, Vern. And the only reason I didn't is because this is just the Bible I picked up. I got King James. I got New King James. Uh, th- this is ESV. Say, Kim, which one's better? The one you'll read. That's the best translation I know of is the one you'll read. It's all the Word of God. There's a lot of folks getting it. I mean, they, 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 their activity, their calendar is full. They ain't going anywhere. And you're going to stand before a righteous, holy God one day and all that activity is going to burn like wood, hay, and stubble. And you'll have nothing of any lasting value. Some people are so hung up on their traditions. You know, thank God the piano's on this side because it's like it's just more spiritual on this. Oh, whoa. Y'all got two pianos. Oh, oh, oh. Where is the organ? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 
I got to stop because I'm, I'm feeling too good for y'all. I ain't kidding. I just feel too good. But y'all know what I'm talking about, right? As a lot of folks get bent out of shape because of an instrument here, instrument there. What is or what ain't there? God. That attitude's going to burn like wood, hay, and stubble. Whether a preacher wears a tie, doesn't wear a tie. Who gives a rip? It's going to burn like wood, hay, and stubble. But what you've done with the gospel, that'll last. What you've done attached to the vine will last. That will be fruit that remains. Every small group you birth, I believe that's fruit that remains. Everyone you lead to Jesus, that is fruit that remains. Every life you pour into, that will be fruit that remains. Wouldn't it be awesome to really hear Jesus say that day, well done, now good and faithful servant. So two questions and I'm done. Number one, What vine are you clinging to today? What vine are you clinging to? What are you trusting in today? If it's anything less than Jesus, you're not attached to the true vine. Second question, last question. What fruit are you bearing? What fruit are you bearing? So Kim, what fruit should I be bearing? Well, how about some inward fruit? Inward fruits, fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. You with me? Well, check that out. How you doing there? That's inward fruit. Outward fruit is our service. Upward fruit is our worship. New fruit, the winning of souls. Are you bearing fruit? Lord, today... We love you so much and are so grateful, God, for your activity in our life. That you would save us, that you would change us, that you continue, God, to work in us. That, God, you prune and you work and you lift and you do all that because you want your glory to be made known to the nations. God, you do what you do for your glory. And God, we as your branches, God, I'm asking you today, God, would you show somebody, maybe, maybe they're not trusting you. But today, God, they could trust into you and you would become their true vine. God, maybe many believers in this room today, sometimes, God, we, get, we can get so distracted and, and, and God, we get out of balance so quick. God, today, I pray that we would see what kind of fruit that we are bearing. How, how, how productive are we in bearing fruit that resembles Jesus? And so God, lift us, draw us, chasten us, correct us, prune us, so that we bear more fruit and you get more and more glory. And we ask this today in Jesus' name. Amen.